Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Freedom Church Online. We're so glad that you tuned in today. And uh, hey, invite someone else to jump in with you. That would be great. And uh, maybe if you're brand new, maybe you were scrolling or maybe someone told you about Freedom Church Online and you've gotten on there. Hey, do me a huge favor. Fill out a connection card there. You can click a link below and do that. We'd love to know where you're at, where you're from, and, and that would be really, really cool. Hey, we've been in this series for the past several weeks called Hang On. So what I want to ask you to do is to go to our app and go down to the bottom right-hand corner on Sundays and pull up the outline to go along with this. And maybe you're new and you've never downloaded our app. It's very simple. You have a smart device, just go to the App Store and type in Freedom Church TN and you can download our app and you can access a lot more stuff other than just the outline to follow along with us. So we've been in this series and God laid this on my heart a a long time back and, and it comes from the thought, from the message in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. It says, you're blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. So with that being said, you know, I want to set it up like this today. I want to ask this question. How many of you are like me? You hang on to a whole lot of napkins. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just bunches of them. You know, you hang on to napkins at your house. You hang on to napkins in your desk. These are actually come from the, from the glove compartment in my vehicle. But we hang on to these things, especially in times like now, we're really worried about messes and things like that. It's very cool to be able to have them. But also what's cool about having napkins like this, I know I find myself, sometimes I'll take a napkin and I may be in my vehicle and I will make a note on the napkin, you know. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. Hey, find you a napkin right now. Maybe you're sitting on your couch. Maybe you're in your vehicle. I don't know. But grab a paper towel, grab something, because I'm going to have you do something with it later. Because today we're going to be talking about how that we can hang on to our marriages, our relationships. And sometimes we just don't have enough napkins to clean up all the messes that we make when it comes to relationships. And you know, a lot of the messes that we make, they can really be avoided. They can really be avoided. And we're going to talk about that today. And those messes in relationships can really jack you up, you know. And for me, when I think about messes that I've made, it's really just been me. But how can we really hang on to our marriages. Now, some of you are thinking, well, man, I'm going to just scroll on off of here. You know, I'm single right now. I'm not even dating anyone. It's not for me. No, you can learn a whole lot from this. I promise you. Maybe you are dating somebody, man, and you're just about thinking that, man, this is going to be the one and, and this is the one. They're about ready to pop the question. Listen, you can learn something from this. Or maybe, God forbid, you went through uh, a divorce and man, you know, you're single again. Maybe this will be your opportunity to learn something that would be really great of how that 
we can hang on to marriage because we're living in tough times right now and the stress is higher than it's ever been and no doubt with kids and marriage and and finances and business maybe you got a business and it's causing stress in your marriage or maybe you know god forbid you're wondering man am i going to file bankruptcy on this deal you know they said there was a bailout but there's i haven't seen anything you know whatever it is but today i want to share some things with you and what i want to i want to just take us back for a moment those of you that are that are married I want you to take you back to the beauty of marriage. You know, I remember Shanda and I, when we met, uh, actually, she uh, wanted to ride in my car. I had a 1975 Triumph Spitfire, and I was riding down the highway, you know, in it. And she flagged me down, and I thought, well, she's just interested in the car, you know. But anyway, I took her for a ride, her and her cousin. And, and then, by happen chance, we met each other again. And, and so I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to ask her to go out on a date. So we went out on a Sunday date. And, man, the next Saturday night, we went on a date on Saturday night, official deal. And, man, next thing I knew, I knew that she was the one. And so three months into the relationship, I asked her to marry me. I did a really, uh, really cool way of asking her to marry me and got a ring and all that kind of stuff. And she TD'd me. And uh, I thought, oh, I thought oh, she's never going to uh, want to marry me. And next thing you know, we went to Sam's Hotel and she points at this big rock and she says, if you buy me that, I'll marry you. And that was her way of saying, you can ask me again. So after that whirlwind one-year romance, we got married on September 16th, 1989 at 6.30 o'clock in the evening. And man, check out this marriage pitch, picture here. You know, this was us. We got married. We were in love with each other. We set our vows. And this next picture is when I really got excited because we were about to go to Bahamas on our honeymoon. But then all of a sudden, when you move forward in a marriage... Things get messy. And you're thinking, what can I do to hang on to my marriage? Because there are times that you're going to have differences. You're going to have arguments. You're going to have fights. You're going to have emotional pain. And things get messy. But man, when you add on the pressure that people have right now with what we're going through with this COVID-19, it can multiply even more. So I want to say whether you're newly married or you've been married for many years, maybe you're engaged right now and you're thinking, man, I'll be glad when this thing's over so I can invite and everyone and have that big marriage. Or, or maybe you're single or you're separated. Here's what I know. Humanity is not batting a thousand when it comes to staying together and hanging on to marriage. So I want us to be able to learn today how to hang on to each other after we say, I do, because we were never meant to be alone. So what I want to do is I want to share some things with you. And I want to say, I'm not an expert at this. But thank God this year on September 16th, Shannon and I will have been married 31 years. So I want to share some experience. But also, most of all, I want to share God's way and God's will from God's word about the magnificent thing he created called marriage. So we have to go back to the beginning of the Bible. We have to go back to Genesis. So here God goes through all of his creation. He's creating everything. He creates Adam. And then he tells Adam, Adam, you name the animals. So just imagine Adam naming the animals and they're going by. And all of a sudden after he gets done and the last one goes by and he's coming up with kooky names like he was really creative in the beginning with hippopotamus. But then he goes cow, cow, whatever. So anyway, there's no one like him. So that's where that we pick up in Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. 
It says, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to him. At last, the man exclaimed, this is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called, whoa, man. Because I imagine she looked at her and said, whoa, oh, man, she looks hot because she was also taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So, God gave humanity marriage as a gift. He gave it to Adam and Eve first and then to all of humanity. And here's what I want you to understand. God's plan with marriage was one man, one one woman to be in one flesh for one lifetime. His deal, he made it up. He rules the way marriage is to go. So here, understanding marriage is a public act to where that you would leave your parents. It is a public act to where the, the man promises himself to his wife. And then with that being said, the man and woman are joined together by taking responsibility for each other's welfare and being the loving mates to each other above all else and anyone else. As the two are united into one, they consummate the marriage in a sexual union that is only made and reserved for marriage. So the marriage, when you look at it, is a beautiful illustration of a loving, intimate relationship between Jesus Christ— and his church. Look at verse 25 here in Genesis 2. It says, Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. You know, and I always had a tough time with that, looking at that verse and thinking, how could they not feel shame? Well, there was no sin. Well, then, the greatest illustration for me ever was is when you have three little girls, and they're little bitty, and they're running around everywhere, and they thought absolutely nothing my girls did, thought nothing about them running around when they were naked, when they were little. They felt no shame because they weren't aware of their nakedness, because they weren't aware of sin. See, Adam and Eve, they weren't embarrassed of their nakedness because of their innocence. And that's what is powerful about this. Adam and Eve were in love. Adam loves Eve. Eve loves Adam. And they're having a lot of fun in this relationship. However, it only lasted six more verses. Let's check it out. Things got messy. So in verse 7 of Genesis 3, it said, At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. See, they went from innocence to guilt to embarrassment. They went from security in God to being insecure within their sinful selves. That's what happens. That's what sin does. And when we look at this, they go to try to put something on to cover themselves up and basically trying to cover up the sinful mess that they got themselves into. Look at verse 8. It says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. It's funny to think that they sew these fig leaves together, try to put them on their body, and think that they can hide from an all-knowing, all-seeing, everywhere God. This is so funny to me. Check this out. So, we, you know, but it's like us. We all do the same thing. We think we can hide from God. And did you know, I don't know if you realize this, but God has a way of putting this guilty conscience in our minds. And when we do something wrong, that guilty conscience is like a warning signal that goes off in our minds that we have done something wrong. It happens to everyone. You know, think about it. After they put fig leaves on, 
they're not only insecure, Adam and Eve, with each other, but they're insecure with God in that moment. So that's when that happens, like in modern day for us. Maybe there's been a time when you came to church and you just felt a little bit uncomfortable because you knew some things in your life, sinful things, things where you were missing the mark that you thought maybe you could hide, but God knew and you felt uncomfortable with it. And maybe if you're, if you're struggling uh, in your relationship, you're struggling in your marriage because there's things you're trying to hide in your marriage, you'll always struggle in your relationship with God when you're trying to hide sinful things because your walk with God is of the utmost importance. Look at verse 9. It says, Then the Lord God called to, to the man, Where are you? <laughs> like God did not know where they already were. And that's a good question for every single one of us. I asked you, where are you with God right now in this moment? If he said to you, where are you? He already knows, but you answer that question. Where are you with God? See, when he asked this question, what it was, he was desiring the intimacy of the fellowship and the relationship that he had with them. But they were hiding themselves because sin had come into their lives. They're trying to hide from God. So, it goes on to say, through this shame, it says, he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid I was afraid because I was naked. That's what Adam is saying. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? See, sin broke their close, intimate relationship with God just like it does with you and me. Thank God for Jesus Christ through him and what he's done for each of us on the cross of Calvary. That can be renewed. That can be forgiven. That can be cast as far as the east is to the west. But our natural response is always fear when we think we can't live up to God's standards or people are guilty of avoiding living up to God's standards. So, here's what I wonder. And we're trying to hang on to our relationship, trying to hang on to our marriage. How can two people start dating? How can two people fall in love? How can two people get engaged? How can two people get married? How can two people go on this amazing honeymoon and go from a magnificent marriage to an amazing mess? Well, we're going to answer that in the six verses in Genesis 3 that I skipped. Beginning with Genesis 3 and 1, look what it says. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now you notice what Satan does here as he does with any human being. He starts off with doubt. He starts off with doubt with Eve, getting her to question God's word and God's goodness. Then he moves into discouragement. He wants to discourage Eve. He wants her to look at the problem rather than looking to God. And you know what? You and I can get really disappointed about things in life, but just because you're disappointed doesn't mean you need to listen to the enemy who wants to pull you into discouragement. 
Because that's what he does. There will always be disappointments in our lives. There will always be disappointments in relationships. But look at verse 2. It says, of course, Eve says, we may eat from the, from the trees in the garden. She replies, it's only fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Did you notice what she said? She said something that God did not even say here. So he says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So here, she communicates something to the enemy that you're not even to touch it. God didn't say anything about touching it. But then what does the enemy do? He comes right back at Eve, and what he does, he takes a little bit of truth and a little bit of lie to bring about disaster. And that's what he does here in this moment. So when I look at this here, it is a diversion tactic. He goes from creating doubt in her mind. He takes her into discouragement. Now he is bringing about a diversion tactic here. And what he's doing, he's making things that are wrong look really attractive in order to make them and get create for her to be able to want wrong things more than she wants the right things. Now look at this next verse here. The first four words says in verse 6, the woman was convinced. i got to sit down for a second on this. Ladies, you can lean out for a moment. Here's what I do know. Whenever your woman or my woman, your wife or my wife gets convinced, we sometimes struggle with that man, okay? And we struggle with whatever she's convinced about, but in this situation, it is very different because what she's convinced about is something is sinful, okay? Follow me on this. So it says here that she is convinced. It says she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband. Listen to these four words. Who was with her, okay? It says, and he ate it too. Let me revert back to verse 7, what it said. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So here, Satan does what he always does. He begins with doubt. Then he goes to discouragement. Then he creates a diversion. And then what did he do to Eve and to Adam, who knew better, he brought defeat. See, that's what ends up happening. See, the enemy will do real good to be able to create doubt in your mind, not to hang on to your marriage. He'll do everything he can do to discourage you. Yeah, you got, you've got disappointments, but he wants to bring about discouragement. Then he's going to bring about a diversion to get you to begin to look on the other side of the fence and think, I can go somewhere else. I can get another relationship. Listen, the reason the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, let me let you in on something. It's because it's growing over the septic tank. You do the math. But then, once it's you let go and you follow that sinful nature, then like Adam and Eve, you're defeated. See, Satan makes you feel like a failure. Satan does what he can do to get you to where you don't even want to try. And when you look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, Eve listened to Satan. So what happened? She looked, she lusted, and then she sinned. She looked, 
She lusted and then she sinned. And so Satan's battle tactics, that is what he does against all of humanity. See, it happens in the, even in the realm of materialism. You know, here we are. We live in a country that is just, that was busting at the seams till this COVID-19 thing hid. But yet we still are all living for materialism if you're not careful. And there's nothing wrong with having good things in life. There's nothing wrong with God's blessings. All good gifts comes down from the Father of life. But if you're not careful, the enemy will come in when you're trying to hang on to your marriage. And he'll try to whisper in your ear, you've got to have that. Your friends have got it. You need it too. And one of the number one things that destroys marriages today is through finances because they crumble and they fall apart. No longer is it till death do we part. It's till debt do you part. It, you know, so he does that. He wants you to lust ever. He wants you to desire it, whether it's a car, truck, houseboat, motorcycle, whatever it is, that new outfit that you've been dying to get. And you know right now, you don't need to get it because things are tight and things are tough. It reminds me, when the girls were really little, you know, they come out with a brand new Ford Expedition, man. This thing was huge. And I said, you know what? We have to have that because I need a safe SUV for my family. I, we need to sit up high. I've got, I'm the man. I'm the husband. I'm the father. <laughs> I've got to keep them safe. So we went to a Ford dealership. And, you know, they were the nicest people. They were so good to my girls. Man, they gave them candy. They loved on them. I thought, these are the best people in the world. I signed a contract and I went home and Wanted to vomit the next day. Had buyer's remorse. That ends up happening to a lot of us. So no matter what is hitting your marriage that you don't want to hang on, Satan's going to create the doubt. He's going to try to discourage you. He's going to create diversions like he did with Adam and Eve. And then he's going to bring about defeat. So how do you hang on to your marriage? I want to share a few things with you about how that you can really clean up the mess with marriage. And, and I think one of the very first things that, that I know of is great communication. Now, here's what I'll tell you about communication. It is the key to everything. Communication is the key to everything, especially when it comes to relationships. You do not know how many people over two decades that have come to me and said, we just don't talk anymore. You know, they just don't communicate anymore. And it's just very sad, but it's true. You know, communication is very important. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, check this out. It says, of course we may eat from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. He never said nothing about even touch it. God didn't say that. He said, if you do, you will die. Now, let's back up here to the truth that should have been relayed with great communication from Adam. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16, 17. But the Lord God warned him, him, Adam, man, first one, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. He's talking about spiritually. Adam did not clearly communicate with his wife. Let me say this to you men that are known for not communicating. Communication is very simple. You listen, you talk. You talk and you listen. That's something that you do. I want to ask this question. How many of you know someone that never shuts up? My wife will be the first to raise her hand. She's married to him, okay? 
It's so true. I, I, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit weird. I, I talk a lot. I use this thing, this hole in my face under my nose. But listen, if you do all the talking and you, you will never learn anything, okay? God gave us two ears. He gave us one mouth. And for me, that's a great illustration that we need to do twice as much listening as we do talking. So, uh, let me say, let me give some FaceTime suggestions. And I didn't say Facebook suggestions because you spend enough time on Facebook most likely. But let me say this, get rid of all the distractions in your life. Listen, there are so many time stealers. I will tell you right now, this little device right here steals so much time. It keeps up with you and gives you a report every week of how much time it stole out of your life, right? Okay? That takes, it's not only the phones, it's the TV, it's the internet, it's the gaming guys that you love to get into. Listen, if you're going to bond with the one you love and connect with them, you've got to do that through communicating with them. Now, for me, when I'm watching TV, I can't hear anything. I'm just being honest. Last night, case in point, we're sitting here watching TV. Shanna's got a lazy boy there. We got a table with a lamp. We put our stuff on. We read Bible, all this stuff. I got a lazy boy here. We got a flat screen right here. So she begins to talk to me. I've got a phone in my hand. I've got a TV in front of me, okay? She begins to talk to me and telling me something, but yet I'm distracted. And then she said, what did I just say to you? I said, you said this. She says, no, repeat it back to me. And I was dead in the water right then because I, I was not giving her my full attention at that moment. And listen, we all know that when our communication improves, and we give that face time value that our intimacy can improve when you're given that full attention. Bound chicka bound now. So anyway, not only that, you got to give that, have that face time suggestion. Get rid of those distractions that, that steals your time away. Listen, you got to take time. And I know a lot of people say, well, you got to make time. You don't make time. Only God controls time. We've got to take time in our relationships to be able to spend time with the one that we love, to be able to love on them, Okay. I found out this study that Professor H.W. Jurgen did. He's a West German sociologist, and he claims that married couples in their first year, that they will talk as much as 70 minutes a day. Well, then in the second year, he says that will drop to 30 minutes a day. He says by the fourth, by the, uh, I think it is the fourth year, it drops to 15 minutes a day. And he says in this study that they found out by the eighth year, the husband and wife hardly have any small talk, and they become nearly silent with one another. You've got to decide what time of the day when you're going to talk. Is it morning? Is it evening? And you need to decide where it's at. Now, for Shannon and I, the greatest face-to-face -face time that we decide to talk is in the hot tub, okay? Don't judge me, okay? We have a hot tub. We're empty nesters. We don't have to spend money on frilly dresses, except for the grandgirls. But anyway, and, and all that kind of stuff. But we get in a hot tub each morning, most of the time, six, seven days a week. And we look at each other, and we talk, and we spend a lot of quality time together. Find out whether it's in a hot tub, it's in the house, it's in, it's in the backyard, sitting underneath the tree. Whatever it is, find your place to decide side and talk where that's going to be. Because in marriage, listen to me closely, in marriage, you won't be down on what you're up on. You won't be down on your spouse or, or your husband, your wife, if you're up on what's going on in your husband or your wife's life. 
because you're spending time with them. So you got to look at each other. You got to look at each other in the eye. That shows you really care. Nothing that's more important that communicates that I love you is when you look at them in the eye. And that is about what you're saying, you know. So if you're not careful, you'll be like me. Like last night, Shanda said, what did I say? Repeat back to me. Because I was distracted. You need to be looking at each other in the eye. So you want to clean up a messy marriage, make sure that you work on that great communication. But something else, never be afraid of conflict. Man, people are so terrified of conflict, but confrontation is a good thing. You're not to put that stuff inside your, your soul and let in one day, because it's going to, one day it's going to implode. See what happened to Adam here in this situation. He didn't step up to the miscommunication that took place. And whenever Satan was coming at Eve there at that moment, it says he was with her. He didn't step up and say, whoa, dude, that's not what. God said, let me say this to you, you better pay close attention to the God saids. Let me say it again. You better pay close attention to the God saids in the Word of God, okay? So, with that being said, you've got to know that conflict is good and that you and I can have healthy conflict in our relationships and in our marriages, and you can grow through those conflicts, But here's something that's very important. It's about fighting right. It's not about winning. Everybody gets jacked up. How many of you out there right now, go ahead and raise your hand and say, I can't stand to lose. (laughs) Because you can't stand to lose. That's the way a lot of people are. But the goal in that healthy conflict is to know each other better and to know each other at a greater depth in the relationship. And to be able to grow in that relationship, to be able to understand each other better in the relationship. And the more that you understand somebody, the more that you can grow with that person in the relationship. And you know what? It doesn't have to be real hard about hanging on to the one you understand and love. It's so true. So when you're talking to them, I think this is important too. A lot of people don't realize this. But word choice is critical. You've got to be careful about the words that you're saying because there is power in the tongue. When you look at Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21 in the Word of God, it tells us that there is death and life in the tongue. You don't look at your wife and say, well, you're just like your sister or you're just like your mother. Oh my goodness, man. You are trying to nail the nails in the coffin of your relationship that you're not going to be able to hang on. Yes, your wife can forgive you, but her those words are going to hurt her later because they're always going to come up in her mind the things that you said see whoever said sticks and stones will break your bones but words that never hurt me whoever said that phrase they have bound to have been smoking crack before we knew crack could be smoked because it's not true okay just not true. And something else, whenever you are getting into an argument, you are getting into a fight, you need to take some space in between the rounds instead of just keep coming and going and going at it and trying to reach over here and go historical and throw bombs and say, I got you there. Oh, I got you here. You need to take some space from one another sometimes. Take time out. Get away from each other. You know what you do? You pray. You pray for your own attitude. You pray for what your role in the relationship is. Most of all, you pray for the one you love that you're fighting with. And here's one thing I know. When you are praying for them, it's hard for you to think bad about them in that moment. So 
true. So, if you want to hang on to that relationship, man, don't let the enemy begin with doubt and then he discourages you and then he tries to divert you to get you to look beyond that relationship. Then he defeats you. And then you realize, man, you look back the other way and think, wow, it was really greener over there where I came from. <laughs> you got to have great communication in a relationship. You cannot avoid conflict or it's just going to build up and blow up. But one more thing is so, so true. Listen, you got to take a good look in the mirror at the person you're staring at every single day. You say, what do you mean? I remember Santa would make our girls look in the mirror and say, you see that person in the mirror? That person there you're looking at needs to change its attitude. You know, and I get so tickled, man, because I just love how my wife, she had such great ways with our girls and now that she would discipline them and try to correct them and train them to go in the right direction. But you know what we do? We all look in the mirror every day and we check the exterior with little thought of what's going on in the interior. And that's what we need to look at. That's where our focus needs to be in our relationship with God. God, look at me. Search my heart. God, where am I at that I can be more like your son, Jesus? It's got to be like him. Look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 12. It says, the man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Right here is where the blame game begins in relationships. Begins with Adam here blaming Eve. And, sin, and here's what I want you to know. When we, like Adam, begin to not have a healthy fear of Almighty God, the problem isn't with God. It's a God problem within me and you. That's what was happening here. See, many people want a Savior, but they don't want a master. Many people want a Savior, but they don't want to submit to His way and His will. That's where we're at. It's human nature. There's a struggle between the flesh and the Spirit. It's friction all the time. And you've got to decide in your heart, mind, body, and soul, who is going to be Lord of your life, you or Jesus? You've got to make that decision. Your relationship will falter. With him, and your relationship will falter with the one you said I do with. Verse 13 says, Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me. She replied, That's why I hate it. <laughs> anyway, it's always somebody's fault, right? Besides our own. We're all the time blaming somebody else. It's somebody else's fault. That's what we do. Let me say this to you. Proverbs was written by Solomon, who was the smartest man on earth apart from Jesus Christ. And he said this in his first chapter in verse 7. He said, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. How many of you here get sick and tired of a know-it-all? How many of you have a know-a-know-it-all? You might be raising your hand right there on your couch, and they're throwing a pill at you. I don't know, but here's what I do know is that when it comes to uh, that person that's in the mirror that you look at every day, that is the person that you got to be careful that you, when you don't have enough reverence for God, you don't have enough reverence for His Word, you don't have enough reverence for His ways and His will, you will not treat your spouse the way God's Word says to treat your spouse. 
because you have the issue within you. Proverbs 28, 13 in the Living Bible says, Anyone who refused to admit his mistakes can never be successful. Do you hear that? It didn't say. Somebody says you're never going to be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. See, confessing to that person in the mirror, that causes some messes, you know, that has caused some messes in those relationships. But when you confess it and you take that moment to be able to do that, that's when peace comes in. That is the key to having peace. While it's not easy, it gives you an opportunity to make things right, you know. So, there's some relational remedies I want to share with you. Admit your faults. That's what they're saying here. Admit your faults. When you begin to admit your faults, that is the beginning of healing in your relationship. But something else that's so important is that you have got to forgive and learn. See, a lot of people, they might find it relatively easy to forgive, but... Do you learn from the experience? Do you learn from the mistake? Do you learn from where you missed the mark and sinned? So important. And when you think about forgiveness, no doubt there are times when you've been hurt and you've been wronged. We've all been hurt and wronged, maybe by our spouses. But forgiving them is huge because if they are a big enough person to come to you with a heart to be able to ask forgiveness, then as Christ followers, we must forgive them when they are truly, truly sorry. Why is that? Listen, I, I, if I do that, then they're going to get away with it. They're going to get away with what they've done to me. No, 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 no. It's not like that. Listen, it doesn't mean the damage never existed when you've been hurt. It just means the damage no longer controls you in your life. You may have been hurt deeply. You may have been wounded. You may have been rejected. You may have been abused. You may have felt in your relationships that you were unwanted, that you were unloved, and you have never received the approval that you were searching for. But if you don't give forgiveness, Jesus said it best in Matthew 6, verse 15. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your So, those relational remedies, you've, you've got to admit your faults. You've got to forgive and learn. Also, you've got to remember love. Go back, go back in your mind. Remember means to go back to where you once were. Love has power in marriage. And remember the first time you came together, and here's what I want you to know, and this is what I truly believe. The love that brought you together can keep you together. So I want to challenge the husbands right now. Listen, step up, husbands. Step up in your family. Step up with your wife. I want to challenge you to serve them. I want to challenge you to protect them. I want to challenge you to live out honor, live out respect. And when you do, it will be so attractive to your wife that she will love you for that. 
Let her know it's about God and your relationship with him. And it's about her. And if you have children, it's about them. And you're going to be there no matter what. And you say, well, it's just hard for me to do. You got to remember Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The strength comes from Christ, not within myself, not within what I think I can do, not within self-help books or some kind of great article on Facebook. The help and strength comes from God. And listen, if the enemy, Satan, is coming at your marriage, he's coming at your home, he's coming at your kids, it's because you let him come at your wife, come at your kids, and come at your home. It's time that you stop it and don't let him and understand that Satan hates you. And for if you're a Christ follower, husbands, Satan hates you. And the way he gets at God is to be able to get at you and to get at your wife and to get at your kids and to get at your home. And all he wants to do, Satan, is to steal, kill, and destroy you in your relationship. He don't want you to hang on. He wants you to let go. That's what he wants you to do. He don't want you to hang on to what God has given you. He wants to destroy your marriage, your home, your kids. He wants to make you into a failure. He wants you to live in defeat. But I can tell you right now, God can do amazing things. He can take you as a victim and turn it into victory. He can take the test you're going in, going through and turn it into a testimony. He can take the very messes that you may have made and he can turn it into a message in the name of Jesus. The very same power that raised Jesus out of the tomb is the very same power that he wants to give you in order to take Satan out. And listen, Satan has no right. And so what I want to tell you is don't give him any rights in your relationship at all. And one more relational remedy. You got to reconcile with God. See, we often break the very heart of God when we follow our sinful nature and we don't seek God's path for restoration. That's heartbreaking to him because he gave his son for me and for you to restore us back to the heavenly father. And you look at the word reconcile, you know what it means. It means to change. It means an exchange from enmity to friendship. It means to bring together. It means to restore. And basically, when you look at the idea of reconcile from what it's written here, it means two persons who have been once together are brought back together again. Two people who had something together to begin with are brought back together. They're restored and they're reunited. I can't think of a better testimony of how that two people were letting go of marriage. And when they were letting go, it was almost to a divorce. But then they decided to hang on and bring God into the situation. I want you to check out this condensed testimony of Eben and Tracy Bates that we're about to show you. And then this week, you will see the testimony in its entirety on our home life Wednesday night. Check this out. I'm Evan. And I'm Tracy Bates. We've been married for five years. Satan was against it. So we found ourselves in, in a divorce. Um, the papers had been filed and we both um, 
did not take it very lightly. Um, we both had said a lot of things. We both hurt each other. All it was going to take was us signing the paperwork to make it official. After filing for divorce, though, for me there was a lot of a lot of prayer, a lot of quiet time, a lot of being still. And when I finally was able just to surrender the situation over, that allowed me to open up my heart to just pray. Uh, something changed. She started just, I, I noticed that she was still doing my laundry. That was, uh, I couldn't figure out why she was still doing my laundry. She would still do different things for me. I was noticing different books that, that, that she was reading. Just the way that she was treating me and, and, and there, even toward the end of that, even the way that our arguments even stopped. I had stopped coming, going to church. I started coming to Freedom in March, and we filed for divorce in May, um, and I decided that I needed to get back into serving, and I wasn't sure how to get back into serving when I was in the middle of a divorce. How do you come into a church and serve and give glory to God when your marriage is falling apart, so I made an appointment to come in and actually speak to India about how I could just get involved in the church. I gave her a synopsis of that I was in the middle of a divorce and that we were just really waiting to sign papers. And she asked me before I left if there was any way that our marriage could be saved. And my response to her was that it would take a God intervention in my husband's heart. It was just a day or two after she had talked to India, this amazing amount of conviction just landed on me. Um, and all I could do was think about her and thinking about where we had gone wrong and thinking about our marriage. And, and so I made a phone call to her and I told her I didn't know how it was going to look. I didn't know uh, what it was going to look like. She didn't even owe it to me, but I wanted to come home and, and us uh, be able to talk about where we possibly could be going from that point. That was a long night, uh, which led to a, <laughs> a weekend that went by pretty fast, but it also went by really slow because we, we spent a lot of time talking and crying. Um, there was a lot of things that I had to say I was sorry for, a lot of forgiveness that had to be given. Really, even the specifics of that wasn't even... Uh, wasn't even there because it, 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 there was so much had happened over so many months between both of us. We both had, had hurt each other and both had said so many things that there was really nothing that we could go back and specifically say other than everything was, was what I was sorry for. I was sorry for all of it, but I loved her and I felt God moving just amazingly in my heart, knowing that, that we had a family that we wanted to put together and, 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 and I wanted to be a husband that he wanted me to be. And so that led to, a, to another week, and that led to another weekend. And then before we knew it, we had both talked to our attorneys, and the divorce was off the table. And so from there, if she's going to church, if there's something that she was getting fed, that that but I wanted to be a part of that too. And so I started coming with her. All I wanted to do was just come in and uh, just just listen to to the pastor, just just hear the message, and see what was happening. And and he immediately just started feeling uh, feeling God at work. I heard about a, a group of men that that met every week uh, together. And so I wanted to jump in and, and uh, I wanted to try to be a part of those guys, which was amazing for me. Uh, and I think even for our marriage, because it's just a bunch of guys trying to live life the way that God wanted them to. Um, and so through this group, just being able to uh, <clears throat> be encouraged more to come home, to try to be the father I'm supposed to be, to try to be the husband I'm supposed to be. You know, uh, there was a lot of things that, that we had to work through. Uh, as we were working through it, though, um, God just continued to grow us closer to each other in that. Uh, our marriage is not perfect, but we still have our issues. But but we both know now that God loved us both enough and had that even though we said things that we both could forgive and that we could um, that we could actually have the marriage and, and, and the life that, and, and 
try to be what God wanted us to be. Uh, he called us to be. Absolutely. And on his nights when he's maybe not feeling it to go to the men's group, especially in the beginning, and I always tell him that he's, he's got to go, not for just him, but for us. Because him taking care of him like that brought him home and made made it a better us and a better family, uh, made our home stronger. We met a lot of a lot people, of great a lot couples, of people through church. Just uh, other couples pouring their life in, in ours and uh, letting us be a part of theirs. Help uh, hold us accountable. Yeah. Um, speak truth into us so that we can in turn speak truth in our home about each other. Not let Satan's words get so much in our head, but more of what God says about us as who we are as individuals and who we are as a married couple. You know, Shannon uh, and I were on a stroll this week. We walking in the morning and we were talking about our relationship and in our marriage and you know and just like many things that Evan and Tracy were saying there but Shannon and I talk a lot and we share a lot and we we're visionaries and we think about our future we think about where we're at now we have short-term goals long-term goals things like that and it's just great that we love to dream together but she said something that really stuck with me. You know, like how that God can, is so in the mix when we're seeking Him with all our faith. But I wrote this down of what she says. She said, we help each other on our journey to heaven. And man, that is the very beautiful picture that if you want to hang on to your marriage, it's about submitting one to another and having an everyday attitude to say how can I help on our journey to heaven one more verse I want to read in Genesis 3 and verse 21 it says and the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife so you know what God does here God removed those flimsy garments that Adam and Eve made and then God makes them acceptable garments that he makes now you may wonder and it says here that he made them from animal skin so what this is telling us is that innocent animals had to die for Adam and Eve the first man and woman so that they might have a new beginning back into a right relationship with God the Father you know what this is a picture of this is a picture of what Jesus did on the cross when he died for a sinful world thank you Jesus Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, God, for how that you created marriage. That when a man leaves his father and mother, he can be joined to the one and become one flesh. You made us so that we're not to be alone. We're created for companionship. We're created for relationship. We're created for marriage for those that choose. I pray for every marriage under the sound of my voice that you would bless that marriage. 
Lord, especially that marriage, it may just seem to be holding on by threads, God, that they will look at what they can do to clean up the mess, God. Bless them right now in the name of Jesus. You know, I told you earlier to maybe go get you a paper towel or a napkin or something like that. You know, one thing I find myself doing is that I find myself at times, if I can't find a piece of paper in the truck or something like that, I'll grab this to be able to make a note on. And I'm sure many of you have made notes on napkins. So how about you take that paper towel or that napkin that I challenged you to get earlier and how about you write on there some changes that you're going to make in your relationship, in your marriage? Write it on there right now. Begin to write it. And maybe you didn't get anything. Take and make notes in your notes page, in your notes app of your phone. I want to challenge you to do that and what that is. But what's really cool about making those changes that you want to make on the napkin is that in just a second, I want to pray over those changes that you're wanting to make that God's going to help you to make the changes and throw it away forever not to go back and pick up those habits that make hurts in your relationships give you a moment to be able to do that because it's so important you know if we're not careful it will be us living in a blame game saying it's not our fault that destroys our relationship and we let go and we don't hang on. So maybe right now, you didn't necessarily write them down, but you got a mental note of that. Let's pray. Right now, Heavenly Father, for those that wrote something down, those that maybe made a mental note or whatever it is, I pray in the name of Jesus. God, as they are seeking and searching, God, with you, God, that you would help them to be able to make the needed changes, that they will know, God, to claim Philippians 4 and 13, that they can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. So I pray for strength for them. I pray, God, that you'll bless their marriage. I pray for healing in their marriage. I pray that they become the husbands that you have created them to be, to seek and search you in all things, God. Lord, and whatever they've written down, God, they're going to throw those things away, and they're going to be great communicators. They're not going to stuff things down in their life and avoid the conflict, but they're going to grow through that, God. And Lord, they're going to every day take a look in the mirror, God, to become what you want them to be. I pray for every wife, God, that you would help her to do the same, God. And I pray, God, you're going to bring together a more powerful relationship that can ever be, God. I pray, God, that you will protect the marriages, that you would bless the marriages, that they will honor your holy word. And God, do what your word says, not just be hearers of the word, but to do the words and put it into action on how that we're to treat one another in relationships. I pray this in the name of Jesus. As we continue praying and you're going to throw that away, I want you to know that there's another way that Satan gets at us. He brings about delay. That's another one of Satan's attacks as we continue praying. And he wants to bring this plan of attack against you so that you'll put off something that you may have never done in that relationship. But most of all, a delay tactic is to put off giving your heart to Christ. 
So a right relationship with God begins with reconciling with God that you haven't done it right. And if you've never given your life to him, he wants to you to come into that right relationship in this moment. He wants to help you to become the man you need to be or the woman. He wants to help you to become the husband or the wife or the, or the father or the mother in this moment. So right now, if you feel God knocking on your heart, invite him into your soul and pray unto him and let him know that we all make mess of our lives. We've all sinned and we fall short of God's glory. But he says we can come unto him and if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what 1 John 1, 9 says. So if he's touched your heart, invite him in and just pray to him and let him know if you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, Tell him, say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to take away all my sins. I believe you lived and you died and you arose for me. Save me. I give my life to you. Now tell him, say, I repent. That means I'm going to go the other way from the things I used to do. And I'm going to live wholeheartedly for you and walk with you. Maybe you just reconciled with Christ. Maybe you were once walking with him and you wanted to come back home. And you've prayed and said, God, I'm coming back home. Forgive me for walking away. Praise his holy name. If you just came to him for the first time, Thank Him for giving you life in Christ, freeing you. And when the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Thank Him for that as the angels rejoice in heaven. Father, thank You for what You've just done in the hearts and the souls of people. I pray, God, that You would bless them in the relationship with You. And I pray that You would bless them in their relationship with each other and their marriages in particular today. Help them to hang on, God. We pray this today in the name of Jesus. Amen. I pray that God has done a rich work in your heart, in your soul, in your marriage, in your relationship with God, first and foremost, your relationship with each other. I pray that whatever you wrote down, that you throw away for good begin to let go and let God lead you to be the best husband and the best wife ever. I hope and pray that you receive something. If you're single or single again or maybe you're engaged, I hope and pray that God gave you a great nugget to help you in a great future and a great relationship and what he created called marriage. Now listen, if you gave your heart to Christ for the first time, man, we want to celebrate that with you. We want to help you in your walk with Christ. Just simply type the word saved and text it to the number on your screen. We want to contact you. We want to be able to help you. We want to give you resources. And you know, we're going to be open real soon at Freedom Church. And we want to meet you and give you a hug and say, God bless you as eternal brothers and sisters because we have royal blood running through our veins. Maybe you reconcile with God. We want to hear about that. And you know, maybe you're struggling right now. Maybe you're just really at the end of your rope, in particular in your marriage or whatever it may be. Listen, call the number on your screen. 
uh, one of our pastors would love to talk with you, love to pray with you, and love to answer any questions that you may have. But we don't want you to feel like you're alone and you're there by yourself. We love you, and we can never love you like our great God loves you. So be sure to give us a call. Other than that, I hope the rest of this day is wonderful for you. And we want to tell you that we love you. Freedom Church exists to reach people to know God. We want you to know Him better than ever. Hey, I can't wait to share next week the next message with Hang On. Be sure you share this with somebody. Let somebody know that this is happening each Sunday at 9 and 1030. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.